listening to Bible Through the Year 2017, a weekly devotion to supplement the annual Bible reading plan for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. I'm Justin Wheeler. I'm the preaching pastor at Cornerstone, and this is week 48 of our Bible reading plan. And we're going to continue reading this week in the book of Acts, chapter 17, 18, and 19. And then we'll take some time to read in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, as well as a portion of 1st Corinthians, chapters 1 through 14. Now this week, as we continue our reading in the book of Acts, we're going to be able to zoom into some of the cities that Paul and Silas come to as missionaries, especially as we begin in Acts chapter 17. We're going to see Paul and Silas bring the gospel to the city of Thessalonica. And while many people believe in Christ, there are quite a few others who begin to attack the new believers in that city. And the situation gets so heated that Paul has to leave the city, well, in the middle of the night. Now that's all we see in the book of Acts about this particular city and this particular church. But we're also going to be reading the two letters that Paul wrote to the church in that city. And this helps us to get a more complete picture of how the gospel not only changed the lives of those believers, but also how that gospel gave them hope and fueled their lives, even though they were experiencing persecution. Next, we're going to be reading Paul's letter to the church in the city of Corinth. And in Acts chapter 18, Paul goes to this city, and basically the same thing happens. Some believe the gospel, and some despise the gospel. Persecution broke out. Paul left the city to continue his missionary work. And then he wrote several letters back to the church to help them grow in their understanding and application of the gospel. Now, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this particular letter. And then we're going to finish our reading in the book of Acts chapter 19, where we see Paul spend some time in the city of Ephesus. And as you might have guessed it, there are two responses to his ministry. Some believe the gospel and others despise the gospel and its messengers. And in this case, a riot breaks out. And once again, Paul is forced to leave the city. But then later on, he writes a letter to the church. And in that letter, we learn more about them and more about the gospel as well. This becomes the pattern for not only the rest of the book of Acts, but also many of the letters, the epistles that we see in the New Testament. Now, let's break that down a little bit and let's focus in on something that we can meditate on this week. And for that, I want us to turn our attention to Acts chapter 18 and to the the city of Corinth. Now, the city of Corinth was a major port city in the ancient world, which made it a center of both economic and religious influence. And Paul came to Corinth in Acts 18. Uh, When he arrived in the city, he met two people, Priscilla and Aquila. Now, they not only believed in Jesus, but later they would join in Paul and his missionary journeys. Now, Paul spent a year and a half in this city. And and during that time, he he tried to share the gospel with the Jews. But in the end, the Jews didn't want to hear it. Uh, And so he focused his attention and focused his time on evangelizing the Gentiles. And it was great that these Gentiles were coming to trust in Christ. But there was a problem, and it had to do with their pagan background. So after Paul left the city of Corinth, He wrote several letters helping them to understand how the gospel of Jesus uh, really changed not just their their views of 
relationship to God, but really it impacted every part of their lives, from how they viewed their leaders to questions about sex and sexuality, all the way to questions about food and, and church. And then finally, with how they viewed or how we view the resurrection of Jesus and, and what life will be like in eternity. Now, all of these things are really carryovers from their pagan background, their pagan lifestyle. And Paul is trying to help them understand how the gospel changes everything. And in this letter, Paul follows a, a really simple pattern. First, what he does is he defines the problem that the church has. And then he responds with how the gospel informs that particular issue. Now, the main problem, the really main problem with this church is how they understand the gospel and, and its impact on their lives. And what Paul does throughout the book is he shows them, these new Christians, how they need to grow and mature in their faith. And so over and over again, as Paul addresses these issues they have from their past and try to help them understand how the gospel affects it, he uses a particular metaphor. He uses this metaphor of the need for us to grow and mature. We see this over and over. He shows us the need for, as, as Christians, for us to move away from what he'll call spiritual childhood or infancy and how we are called to grow into maturity as followers of Christ. And here, I mean, there are really a few passages where Paul keeps bringing this up. He's using this to help them understand. And so the first passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where we read this. So, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but instead... I spoke to you as people of the flesh, as, as infants in Christ. I fed you milk. I didn't feed you solid food because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready. So what Paul's doing here is he's, he's bringing that metaphor out and he's saying, listen, this is where you are. You're, you're infants in Christ and you need to grow. You need to grow and become more and more mature. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is trying to make his point about how the gospel informs their love for one another. And he uses that metaphor again. He says, listen, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. Paul, once again, is trying to motivate them to understand their responsibility to grow and mature in their faith in Christ. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, he says this, Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Instead, be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be Mature. Once again, he's drawing on this metaphor, helping them to understand their responsibility to grow in the gospel. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, he says this, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. So what's the point? Well, I think as we read through the book of 1 Corinthians, we, we come to realize that Paul wants this church, and he wants us as well, to know and understand that each of us as believers has a responsibility to grow in our faith. We aren't called by God to remain like little children. We should have a childlike faith, but not a childish faith. We need to grow in our understanding of who Christ is and of what he has done, and then also how we should live in light of his gospel. You see, the gospel of Jesus is an announcement about Jesus and the new reality that he has opened up to us. And we are personally called to trust in him 
and walk in obedience to Him. This means that you, you must take this responsibility upon yourself and move away from spiritual childhood and into maturity. So I want you to ask yourself a few questions. What would you identify as areas of your life where you need to grow in uh, your understanding and your obedience to Christ? What specific doctrines or you know, just theological issues do you need to study so that you can have a better understanding? Where are you still struggling with sin? And how can you equip yourself to address that sin with Scripture and in maturity? Now, there are several ways that we can grow, and they include things like prayer and Bible study, learning from other mature Christians, faithful participation in the local church. All of these are, are biblical means of our growth in Christ. And maybe you need or maybe you desire more specific discipleship or mentoring. Maybe you should pick up a book on the subject that you have identified. But here's the thing. We all have this responsibility, and we need to seek help in this task, understanding that we are a child of God who is not called to remain a child, but who is called to grow to manhood or womanhood in our faith. Next, let's turn our attention to something we can discuss. And there's, there's tons that we can talk about as we read through the book of Acts. But this week, I really want us to discuss more of what we see taking place from a thousand-foot view. And here's what I mean. If we're on the ground, we see the gospel spreading into people's lives. We see Jews and Gentiles coming to faith. We see the church growing and spreading. We see persecution increasing in every city. But if we get above the day-to-day -day movement of the gospel, we see something amazing taking place. We see the message of Jesus spreading throughout the earth. We see the kingdom of God coming down on earth as it is in heaven. We see Jesus and the Spirit and the church growing from a mustard seed into a tree where birds from all over the earth are finding a branch to make a nest. I mean, think about this. In just a few short years, the disciples of Jesus have grown from being a small group of mostly Jewish followers in the city of Jerusalem to being this multi-ethnic and international movement. And, and it's still spreading. Now, when the disciples were kicked out of Jerusalem, uh, back after the stoning of Stephen, they established Antioch as a base of operations. And from there, Paul and Silas began to go out on these missionary journeys. And, and they took the gospel into Asia and to Greece. And then before you know it, the gospel will spread all the way to Rome. And Christ said that this would happen. And it has. Christ is building his church upon the foundation of the gospel. And the church remains to this day. To our own day, in 2017, it, it remains a spreading movement of Christ's followers who share the good news in word and deed, who gather into multi-ethnic communities where all people are equal, where men and women, black and white, rich and poor, young or old, they're all precious in the sight of God, and they're all called brothers and sisters in the family of God. This gospel is incredible, and it continues in our own day. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to take some time as you read the details of the book of Acts to, to back up and realize that God is changing the world through this gospel. 
He is creating diverse communities that, that the world has never seen, and it still can't understand these communities. And I want us to remember that, that if we're a believer in Christ today, then you're a part of this story. And I want you to meditate on, I want you to think on, and I want you to, to discuss the chapter that God wants to write with your life. Finally, I want us to turn our attention to something we can pray about, and, and I want us to focus on the, the letters that Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, specifically 1 Thessalonians. Now, one of the interesting things about Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica is that each chapter concludes with the theme of the second coming of Christ. And in fact, this is a major theme in both of these letters. But if you go back and you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 19, chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 4, verse 17, and chapter 5, verse 23, you will see that, that each one of these chapters comes to a close with Paul pointing out the theme of Christ's coming. So the theme of Jesus returns, it runs throughout this entire letter. And this is an important theme for us as well. You know, sometimes Christians tend to overemphasize the second coming. But we can be just as guilty of underemphasizing it as well. And this letter helps us to remember and stay focused on the fact that Jesus is going to return to this earth one day. And this not only gives us hope for the future, but it also means that we should live each day with a certain motivation. Like it, like it may be our very last. Now, another theme in this book is that of prayer. In fact, not only are there mentions of the second coming throughout this book, but, but there are three specific prayers that tie this entire book together. And you can see them in chapters 1, chapter 3, and chapter 5. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we see Paul's opening prayer of thanks to God for the faith, love, and hope that these Christians have. Next, in chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, Paul prays that the believers would increase or grow in that love for one another, but also in their holiness and in their hope in the second coming of Jesus. And then finally, in chapter 5, verse 23 through 28, Paul prays for God to keep the believers, to, to help them to hold fast and be blameless in both soul and body as they await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want to encourage you to pray this week. Pray through these passages and give thanks to God for how He has granted you faith in Christ, love for others, and hope in Christ's return. Pray that God would increase your love and your personal holiness and your hope in Christ's return. Finally, pray that God would keep you faithful, preserving your body and soul for the day of Christ's return. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thanks for listening. 